Graduates Conversations podcast. Hi, thanks for tuning in. My name is Fatih and I'm the host of the Conversations podcast powered by All Graduates Interpreting and Translating Services. I really hope you're enjoying our podcasts. Please make sure to subscribe to our channels. You can find us on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Now, if you have any topics you'd like me to cover, or if you have any guests you'd like me to interview, please send me an email with your ideas. My email address is fatih at allgraduates.com.au. That's fatih, F-A-T-I-H, at allgraduates.com.au. Thanks again, and enjoy today's episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Conversations Podcast. And today I am very lucky indeed to be with Professor Ludmilla Stern from the University of New South Wales, um, who is the founder of the Masters in Translating and Interpreting Studies there, and who has also dozens of publications and projects under her belt, spanning over four decades, covering subject areas of history, languages and cultures, European studies, and of course, translating and interpreting. Welcome, Professor Ludmilla. Thank you. Thank you, Fatih. Good morning. And thank you for your kind introduction. And thank you very much for accepting to speak uh, with me and um, share your uh, observations uh, with our viewers and listeners. Um, before we start, I'd like to just mention that uh, there's going to be a few of um, episodes uh, with uh, me talking with Professor Ludmilla, uh, because uh, her research uh, is not something that's going to fit into 15, 20 minutes, um, and it's going to be going on for a, a few months and maybe a couple of years, um, so hopefully we'll be touching base with her to see how the research is going. Um, today, in particular, we are going to be talking about the Australian Research Council Linkage Project. Correct me if I'm wrong, Professor. Um, and your research is called Access to Justice in Interpreted Proceedings, the Role of Judicial Officers. Can you please explain to us uh, what this study is about and what it aims to do? Um, yes, you're absolutely right. The, the name of the linkage project reflects its content. Um, as we all know, there are many studies about uh, interpreters working in courts, tribunals, and other legal settings. And we know that the emphasis uh, for quality is usually placed on the interpreter. But we also know that Ensuring effective interpreted communication requires joint responsibility. And this is why the focus of our project will be not so much on the interpreter, but on a judicial officer, that is a magistrate or a judge um, who play a key role in navigating and controlling communication in interpreted proceedings. So what we aim to do is to observe the way judicial officers in Australia work in hearings and trials that involve interpreters. And the focus of our study is on what practices do they adopt to ensure effective communication. Uh, we have a couple of points of references. 
One point of reference is the experience of international courts that have the experience of judges uh, working in a way that recognizes that you cannot run an interpreted uh, hearing or trial in the same way as if it was a monolingual one. And so there are certain steps, certain working, working conditions to accommodate interpreters. So we want to refer to international courts to find out what these good practices are. But we also want to refer to the Australian recommended national standards on working with interpreters in courts and proceedings. Exactly. That's the 2017 uh, publication by the Judicial Council on Cultural Diversity. And the importance of this comprehensive publication is that it takes into the consideration the practices and the responsibilities for all the participants in interpreted proceedings, including primarily judicial officers and lawyers. So part of our research is to investigate whether in 2020, 21, 22, uh, having had time to uh, read and internalize the guidelines of these recommended standards, Australian judicial officers in different jurisdictions across Australia um, follow these recommendations. And if they do, to what degree? and whether it makes a difference, and if not, why not? And what are the obstacles on the way to implementing these recommendations? It's quite significant that um, you pointed out who usually it's the interpreter's onus, the, the pressure always on the interpreter. And for the first time in this particular study, I think we are going to be concentrating on the um, the judicial officers and, and how they are dealing with this, if they are dealing with this. So. Um, that's quite significant in uh, the study. Um, can you tell me what methods uh, are you using um, or will you be using over the next uh, couple of years maybe? Have you, have you already started the, um, the study? Well, we started uh, the study which officially begins in 2020, or rather the funding for the, for the study uh, has started at the beginning of 2020. Uh, we have done some work, namely we have examined uh, some uh, policy documents, regulations, bench books, international agreements and declarations on working with interpreters in courts and tribunals, um, we have looked more specifically on the language rights of uh, defendants and witnesses, um, the role of the interpreter for access to justice, and we also examined these international and national documents with a view of identifying uh, the role of the judge, or in Australia, a judicial officer. And we recognize that there is a significant gap in the role and responsibility that these documents have historically attributed um, to the judicial officer and how this gap has been gradually being filled in the past few years, probably uh, beginning from 2010 
uh, onwards. Now, to return to your question about the methods we are going to use, so what I have just described is the so-called desktop research. Uh, in other words, we want to find out what uh, what are the policies and regulations for the for judicial officers to work with interpreters? Now, the actual project um, will consist of several uh, methods of investigation. One includes um, a series of methods that begin with the observation of hearings or trials where interpreters are present. So we are looking essentially at two uh, levels of courts, the magistrates' courts uh, and hearings or mentions, and um, jury trials or bench trials at the level of district courts with interpreters. So we are going to conduct observations of how interpreted interactions are conducted and what role judicial officers play. For example, do they accommodate interpreters by adapting their own communication strategies? Do they speak any differently? Do they navigate interpreted interaction in court? For example, do they um, address the counsel who perhaps speak too fast or whose questions aren't sufficiently clear? Do they interact with interpreters? Do they in encourage interpreters to interrupt the proceedings? if interpreters are struggling or seek want to seek clarification or repetition or provide an explanation. Um, all of this is something that takes place in international courts. And as you said before, this is a topic of a separate conversation about international courts. So following our observations, which we propose to conduct in five different jurisdictions, uh, we would like to conduct post-observation interview, uh, post interviews with the judicial officers who would preside in the proceedings that we will be observing. We would also like to interview interpreters to gauge uh, their views about the recent experience and to see whether their perception on how the judges work with interpreters uh, correspond, coincide with that of the judge or magistrate. And we also would like to interview uh, the counsel, uh, prosecution and defense counsel, if possible, to, to gain their views about uh, the role of the judge in interpreted proceedings. So this would be the initial stage and following the findings that we will accumulate uh, during this initial stage, um, we will move to the next stage. The next stage would consist of creating a database of interpreted proceedings. And we hope to obtain them, although we understand it might be challenging. So we hope to create a data of transcribed proceedings that will cover a much larger number of interpreted cases than we can practically achieved by observing several proceedings ourselves. So creating the database would allow us to have a much larger uh, corpus, which we would then analyze using the methods of computational linguistics. And that would allow us to have a quantitative studies 
regarding the interactions. For example, the interactions between uh, a judicial officer and an interpreter. Uh, to look at the number of instances when the judicial officer would address the interpreter or vice versa, what they would be saying to each other, would they be uh, directions or requests or questions, and what the content of this interaction is. And again, this will help us to answer the question um, as to how, or, or rather, do the judges and magistrates change their strategies to assist interpreting interactions? Does that um, facilitate, does that improve the quality of communication when interpreters are present? And uh, what are the consequences of these improvements, if any? Well, um, I think uh, just before courts shut down in Europe, you had a chance to observe the International Criminal Court there. Um, what do you see as the timeline for the study? Has the current COVID-19 situation changed the timeline in any way? Is, is the study still on track? We know that Australian courts, especially in Victoria at the moment, are pretty hard to access. Uh, the same, um, yes, yes. To answer your question, um, it, of course, the, the lockdown uh, has affected the course of our project. However, uh, we are still, we're still pretty much on track. Uh, just to give you a couple of examples, in March, I was conducting observations at the International Criminal Court. And when the court went into the lockdown, uh, clearly I had to stop my observations. By then, I have actually finished my observations and I was proceeding with the interviews. So I completed my interviews over Skype or over the phone, and I had to return to Australia about um, one, one and a half weeks earlier than anticipated. But still, I had had the opportunity to gather the data which we are currently processing and which will lead to the writing of an article about how judges work with interpreters at the International Criminal Court. As for the domestic uh, field work, domestic observation, indeed, initially we were planning to start observations in New South Wales courts, and we had to postpone it because we could gain no access to courts, and in fact trials had been postponed. And only very recently we have received, and when I say we, I mean um, our team of researchers, it is Professor Sandra Hale, Associate Professor Stephen Doherty, who worked with me in the School of Languages and Linguistics, a, an academic, a, a legal academic, Mel Schwartz from the Faculty of Law, and our um, associate, research associate, uh, Dr. Julie Lim. So we managed to get the permission from the um, Chief Magistrate of New South Wales to begin observations in the magistrates' courts as of the 19th of August. And we very much look forward to the starting of this new stage of our research. Um, the ARC grants are usually allocated for the period of three years. So we still have quite a bit of time ahead of us. And we also look forward to uh, to the to the end of the pandemic, so that we would continue 
observations in other jurisdictions. So the next one on our list was Victoria, followed by uh, Queensland, uh, Northern Territory, and Tasmania. Uh, and we'll clearly, we'll have to wait. Um, if the lockdown continues, what we can do is conduct focus groups uh, with different groups of interpreters. So at least we won't feel that our field work is standing still. Do you think that the ARC will be able to extend the time of the project, do you think, because of the current situation? I very much hope so, because clearly we are not the only ones um, in the same position whereby we cannot conduct human research and observations because of the lockdown and similar limitations. So we, we hope that the ARC will take that into consideration. Yes, uh, I hope so too, because I think it's very important that you do get your data and your observations of the Australian courts as well. Um, how is the project funded? Uh, we, we know that ARC is involved. So uh, the ARC is our main funding body, but because this project is what's called the ARC linkage project, um, we are also working in partnership with different uh, industry organizations, our uh, what's called partner organizations. And some of them fund us financially, as some provide assistance uh, through in-kind uh, contributions, or both. So um, in addition to um, NATI, uh, that is our major uh, financial sponsor, uh, clearly it is all graduates that also supports us both financially and in kind. Uh, in addition to all graduates, there is a, a number of other language service providers. Uh, it is TIS National, Multicultural New South Wales, Aboriginal Interpreting Service in the Northern Territory. Um, in addition to those, there are also two judicial bodies. It's the Australasian Institute of Judicial Administration and uh, JCCD, Judicial Council, for cultural diversity. And the fact that uh, we managed to uh, build such a, a sound team of uh, language service providers, um, a credentialing body, um, not to forget OZET, the Professional Interpreting and Tra Translators Professional Association, and these judicial educational bodies, this is a testimony to the importance of our, of our project and the, the aims and hopefully the benefits that these partner organizations are also uh, looking forward to. So we do have, as I said, a very strong team to have eight partner organizations um, in, in an ARC linkage pro, um, project is quite rare. And we are extremely pleased that we have such a strong support and confidence from and by the industry. I would also like to mention uh, the support we received from the University of New South Wales, Sydney, where my team and I work. Uh, we received a lot of support in terms of preparation for our application, a lot of feedback and guidance. And in the process of our uh, work, uh, we are also assisted because working on this project is part of our workload and uh, we benefit from collaboration, uh, support and productive atmosphere.
Well, I'd like to take this opportunity to thank you and your team and the Australian Research Council, as well as your partner uh, organisations as well. Um, Professor, what do you plan to achieve? What's the what's the goal? What's the, the, the ultimate uh, outcome that the study wishes to achieve? Well, uh, there are, there are, we expect, we hope, uh, to achieve very significant benefits. And if we look at the, at the very high level, so clearly there will be uh, benefits, national benefits, benefits uh, to ju the judicial system, uh, because if we manage to improve uh, communication in bilingual courtroom, it will uh, create also social, uh, 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 social uh, confidence in the outcome and reliability of interpreted hearings and the reliability of the judicial system as a whole. Uh, there will be hopefully also um, economic benefits because we hope that uh, immediate interaction between judicial officers and interpreters is going to uh, eliminate any possible miscommunication or aborted trials or misinterpretations and make the whole process a lot more uh, efficient. Uh, clearly, there are benefits for court administration uh, because uh, court administration and judicial officers will be able to uh, provide a much more informed and effective support uh, to interpreters in the process of interpreted uh, communication. And very importantly, if we manage to change and improve the overall uh, climate uh, during interpreted proceedings, there will be tremendous benefits for the interpreting uh, professions. They will certainly benefit from a favorable uh, courtroom environment. They will benefit our partner organizations, uh, language service providers, OZIT, NATI, and also there will be uh, benefits that will create uh, further studies in this field. Again, let's remember that this is the very first uh, project of this kind, as in its study, it examines the role that a judicial officer, rather than an interpreter, should play in ensuring high-quality communication. Um, I think uh, the, the study will definitely empower the interpreter. I think uh, for the almost the first time in Australia, at least um, in, the, in the court setting. I very much hope so, um, and this is also thanks to the recommended national standards that outline the interpreter's rights and translate them into very concrete um, actions and. In fact, if interpreters feel empowered to interrupt the proceedings or address the judicial officer, make requests, requests for um, repetitions to slow down uh, the pace of the proceedings, especially for interpreters who are, um, who are doing a whispered simultaneous interpretation, sitting next to a defendant or or an accused, and who are virtually invisible in court. Um, so there are these various aspects of um, interpreters' uh, professional uh, operations that uh, hopefully will benefit from our study.
Uh, thank you, Professor. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about the more in more detail in our upcoming episodes about your observations of the International Criminal Court. And hopefully when you have access to the Australian court system, uh, your observations within the Australian uh, courts uh, and, and if and how the recommended national standards are being implemented. And then hopefully we'll get together with you again in regards to your conclusions. Thank you very much. I also look forward to sharing the results of our uh, observations. Um, as we discussed, I will be ready to talk about uh, the practices of international courts, and it will take us a little bit more time uh, to share our observations and findings in the Australian jurisdictions. But I very much look forward to it and sharing it with you. Thank you, Professor Ludmilla Stern, and I really appreciate your time today, and I hope to see you in our next episode. Thank you. All Graduates Conversations Podcast.